This special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast, titled Be Solid, is brought to you in collaboration with NMI, the fully integrated payment solution built to scale. In this six-part series, we'll take a look at what has to happen before the transaction, as well as business processes and tools that can help your business, whether you're an ISO, ISV, Payback, or bank. We'll also take a look at the latest trends in the digitization of cash and card issuing as they ultimately drive money movement. In a world full of squares and stripes, be solid. Some people think, ah, security, compliance, yeah, that's a boring industry, whatever. It's not. It's constantly evolving. And you've got to constantly stay one step ahead of the bad actors. You've got to constantly monitor all of your systems and controls in place to make sure that you're being compliant with the tapestry of rules and regulations that are out there. In the United States, we've, of course, got the federal rules and regulations. Then we have 50 states that all have their own rules and regulations. So it's just constantly evolving and changing and nothing is really set in stone. That was Catherine McCall, Chief Legal and Compliance Officer at Trustly, and she is my special guest on this episode, episode 260 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. As we continue our deep dive into the Be Solid campaign brought to you by NMI, Catherine and I discuss all things security and compliance. Catherine and I talk about the importance of keeping our industry safe and secure, as well as some of the ramifications of not keeping it safe. She also talks about some of the challenges that companies face in this area of payments. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Catherine, and welcome to this episode of the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we're looking at all of the things that happen before a transaction or, put another way, before money ever moves. And of course, merchants and vendors and payments companies being compliant and keeping data secure are two of those things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Greg. I am happy to be here. Great. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe a little personal and professional background. Absolutely. So my name is Catherine McCall. I am the Chief Legal and Compliance Officer for Trustly, Inc. I've been with Trustly since January of 2018. I first came in as outside counsel, and then I moved in-house in December of 2019. I live in San Francisco, and I have almost 25 years of a combined experience in corporate governance, debt and equity financings, M&A, and then, of course, also payments. Here at Trustly, I'm responsible for all legal, regulatory compliance and enterprise risk matters in the Americas. I advise our executive team and the board of directors about compliance, regulations, rules, how to comply with the law and stay on the right side of the law. Great. So tell us what Trustly does. Give us the 50,000 foot overview of Trustly. So Trustly is a global leader in open banking payments. Another way to phrase that is pay by bank. It's an alternative to making payments to merchants by your credit card. Our solution helps merchants process consumer payments at a cost of up to 50% below those credit cards. We offer guaranteed payments, provide instant access to funds for the merchant, and also to help eliminate chargebacks, which are expensive for consumers and for merchants. Our UX and 
Risk Engine delivers superior approval rates, which makes merchants and consumers very happy. We also help merchants with instant payouts and a full suite of open banking data products. We currently focus on enterprise merchants across multiple verticals like e-commerce, financial services, billers, and gaming. We work with companies like AT&T, Dell, Coinbase, Verizon, Lyft, T-Mobile, eBay, Western Union, FanDuel, DraftKings, and GoFundMe, and others. Well, let's dive into the topic at hand, which is security and compliance. So can you give us the high-level, 50,000-foot level of what security and compliance is all about? At the highest level, I would say that security is fundamentally about mitigating risk through strong governance and leadership, proper risk management protocols, and promoting proper security best practices throughout the organization. It's a proactive and preventive measures, which are the highlight of strong security against malicious actors. It's multifaceted. So mainly it's about ensuring that an organization adheres to all relevant laws, regulations, and industry standards, and also that it keeps abreast of the latest fraud acts that are going on, the latest fraud attacks that have happened, what bad actors are doing. And it's really about protecting the integrity of our financial networks. So there's a lot of players or companies sort of to help our industry stay safe and secure. So can you talk about some of those or at least maybe some of the functions they perform and kind of how do all these players work together to keep us safe? There's a lot that goes into keeping our financial network safe and secure. I would say there's a lot of rules and regulations that go into it. So such as the Bank Secrecy Act and the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, which then enforces the Bank Secrecy Act. We've also got a lot of players and vendors involved in the industry, such as Signified Alloy, Verif, and Quantexa, that help fight against friendly fraud, conduct know-your-customer checks, provide quick and accurate identity verification, also tools to check on who are the people that say if we onboard a merchant onto our systems, Who are the people that control that merchant? You can look at the high level and say, oh, they're a corporation. They're founded in Delaware. But who's pulling the strings behind that network? Where are they located? Where are their sources of funds that come in? So you can follow up and find out a lot of that information through vendors, through regulators, and then also just through public searches searching and pulling data and information such as information from the Secretary of State about a corporation. And then all of these tools all come together and you have to use and pull different sources for different types of activities in order to control and protect your financial network and also others. So each company, I would say, plays a really unique role in mitigating fraud and risk, but they're all integral part of our industry by collectively creating an environment that enhances security and compliance. You mentioned something when you were sort of given your description earlier about how you advise senior leaders, leadership, executives, board of directors. Is there any one thing within this big realm of security and compliance that sort of always gets talked about? Or is it really just 
Catherine, just keep us safe. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) is there anything that sort of bubbles to the top? There's a lot of just, we're safe, right? We're okay, right? We're in compliance with the laws, right? But there's also a lot of concern, you know, driven by our board of directors and our executive team about, are we protecting financial networks as a whole? We don't want to be a loose link or a weak link in the chain. So there's a lot of emphasis on looking at the merchants that we sell our services to and that we onboard to our platform. Who are these merchants? Have we performed all the know your customer or KYC checks on them? Do we really know and understand who's in control of that organization and who funds that organization? Where's their money coming from? Why are they using our services? How are they using our services? And it's amazing to me just how granular in a lot of respects our board of directors can be about checking those merchants and refreshing the information that we get on our merchants. And if we have merchants who are say, it's the last thing that anybody wants to do, which is refresh that due diligence information, provide you with all the information that we provided you in the past, but now you want it again. And now you want us to fill out these questions about who we are and provide copies of our IDs and all of those things. And it's really, it's the last thing any company wants to do. But it's amazing to me how our board of directors is, how many merchants are late in fulfilling that request? How late are they? Should we turn off? We know we won't get the revenue from them, but maybe we need to turn them off and not allow them to transact over our systems in order to protect. Again, it's all about protecting the integrity of the financial systems. What's the reason that they're late? Do they have a good reason? Or is it something like we just don't want to? Or well, maybe we don't really want to disclose that to Trustly. So if we delay long enough, maybe the question will just go away. And believe me, the question will not go away. (laughs) And our board of directors will follow up. Yeah, that's interesting with stuff that's gone on in this industry. I mean, it's always been here and it always will, but a few bad actors can affect all of us, right? There's been a few things recently in the last year that have happened that make certain segments of our industry look bad. So I think for most of us who've been in the industry for a while, this is kind of obvious, but maybe can you talk about like why this data security and security in general, why is it so important? And what are the ramifications? Obviously, we know the big ramifications of being in the news and things like that. But what are the other ramifications of not having a safe and secure environment? Sure. So I think there's two things going on here with in terms of data security. And number one is the devastating impact it can have on an individual if their personal financial information or personally identifiable details get leaked. We've broken our trust with those people and it's almost impossible to get back. Then the other thing to look at is also the impact on our financial networks in general. If our data security is not secure and if bad actors can get in there and can leverage information that they're able to find, maybe they're able to assume a consumer's identity or steal information out of there or create some nifty new fraud conspiracy out of that data, then we've compromised the integrity of the financial networks. And again, as you mentioned, there's the loss of trust. There's the reputational impact. When that trust gets shattered, 
and it's very public, it's an uphill battle to win it back. And there's still that. Weren't they the ones that I think seven or eight years ago did blah, blah, blah? Mm -hmm. So it's not only protecting consumers and protecting their identity, but also protecting the financial networks. And it's essential that you have strong security procedures at the forefront to prevent breaches like that from ever occurring and having a strong and secure environment for data. Having that strong and secure environment for data is really commonly expected in today's world and failure to provide it has serious consequences on reputation. And then especially we're dealing in the payments industry with people's financial information and payments on very important matters, payments of their mortgage, payments on other matters that could have really harmful consequences to the individual. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's turn a little bit and talk about AML. So can you tell our audience what it is and what are the ramifications of not being compliant in that area? Absolutely. So AML is anti-money laundering. So money laundering is trying to make illegally obtained funds look and appear legitimate in the financial systems. And when we talk about anti-money laundering or AML, we also need to talk about counter-terrorist financing or CTF. And counter-terrorist financing is using funds to what it sounds like, finance terrorist activities. And sometimes counter-terrorist financing can be almost more challenging than AML because the source of those funds could be legal. It's just going to fund an illegal activity. So around anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing, there's a lot of, of course, rules and regulations around it. There's the Bank Secrecy Act, the USA Patriot Act which have controls and you have to have an AML compliance program in place. If you're a financial institution or a money services business, you have to monitor your systems to look for suspicious activity, file suspicious activity reports to endeavor you. If you know who your customers are, we've talked about that before, the KYC procedures, know who your customers are, know who's transacting on your systems, know what their transactions look like so that if there's a spike of new different activity, it may not necessarily be money laundering or terrorist financing, but you should know enough about your merchants to look at it and say, for instance, we're in the gaming industry. Oh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. We had a spike in activity. That makes sense so that you know your customers, you know their history, you know the consumers who are transacting so that if you see something like, huh, it's a Monday in July and our one of our gaming operators is experiencing a spike in activity, but there's really no big games going on and there's nothing happening. So we need to look in that. It's about having the systems and the alerts and the processes in place that you get those alerts and that you can look into those matters and say, hey, we've got a fraud ring going on or this is something different. We need to shut things down or slow the pace of transactions down while we look into this matter. Make sure that our services aren't being used for money laundering, aren't being used for terrorist financing. And then, of course, you know, there's the self-interested matter, which is if we breach the law, we could be subject to sanctions, fines, negative reputational impacts, etc. 
as we mentioned before about data security, it's really tough to reestablish your reputation after something happens, becomes public, you look unprofessional, and you also look like you're not being diligent to protect criminal activity in the industry. Yeah, it's just fascinating to me that payments companies, financial services companies have all of these rules and regulations and government entities that they have to deal with. And we can still onboard merchants pretty fast and we can do transactions in seconds. And that to me is fascinating. And I'm just curious, and you don't have to answer it from a trustly perspective, but from like an industry or your knowledge perspective, like how many bad things are happening or getting caught? Like we never hear about them, but you have all these processes in place and you mentioned it, slow down transactions or turn people off or, I mean, does that go on a lot more than we really realize? It does. It really does. And then there's a lot of times, and this came up recently where we notice an attack within our systems and shut it down, looked at it and analyzed it. And then one of our executives was talking to another friendly executive at another company. He's like, oh, you got hit by the blah, blah, blah. It's <laughs> like, oh. So, you know, it's, it's like, okay, they hit that company. They hit this company. They go around and they hit a lot of other companies, sometimes with the same scheme, sometimes with different schemes, which is why I think it's really important that the companies and the players in this industry talk to each other, bring these things up with each other. Hey, this happened to us over the weekend. You might want to look or blah, 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 or here's how we protected against it. Because it really does happen a lot more often than I think the average consumer would think. There's also been times like our risk team is really great at analyzing and they know when we turn a merchant on, they just know. Like we're turning something new on and the fraudsters are out there waiting to pounce. So they'll turn it on real slow at first. So slow rate of transactions, they'll gradually ramp it up. If they notice anything going on, they'll bring the pace down, they'll ramp it back up and really analyze what is going on so that we get a feel for what the pace of transactions are with that merchant, what the amounts are, are the amounts you will talk to merchants, like what are your average dollar amounts of a payment transaction? So then when we look at like, well, this merchant told us that their average transaction is 30 bucks, but we're seeing $300. So that's different. So let's slow that down. Let's talk to the merchant and see what's going on here. It does happen a lot more often than I think people are aware of. I'm the same way, like all these systems we have and multi-factor identification and all of these things that I get frustrated with. And I have to remember, like, this is for my protection. Right. <laughs> There's a reason that all of these things are out there. And when I look at something else or I get hit with a different type of identity verification thing when I'm trying to make a payment or do something of, I always think, aha, somebody got hit with something. So they had to change their risk rules. They had to change their monitoring system. And now something else is coming up. So it's a lot of push and pull. I know we're getting into a bit of a different topic, but a push and pull between greasing the wheels for the consumer and the merchant, but then also putting enough brakes and controls in place so that we can halt stuff or stop things midstream to protect the consumer and the financial networks. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that companies face when it comes to being secure and compliant? 
Nothing is ever set in stone. There's some companies that think, oh, we're just going to set our compliance and establish some security standards and we'll just set it and we'll forget it and move on. But it's really the opposite is true. Regulations in the industry are constantly changing and evolving. There's new innovations and developments that come out and can cause a change in rules and regulations. Some of these new innovations and developments open up purely unintentionally, but open up new opportunities for bad actors in the industry to come in and say, aha, there's a hole, there's something I can exploit in that. So the landscape is constantly changing. The rules and regulations are constantly changing and evolving. The landscape of threats is always evolving. Bad actors are constantly devising new schemes, constantly thinking of ways to overcome safeguards. They're ingenious in coming up with ways to circumvent rules, regulations, and controls that are in place. So it's an industry, you know, I think some people think, ah, security, compliance, you know, that's a boring industry, whatever. It's not. It's constantly evolving. And you've got to constantly stay one step ahead of the bad actors. You've got to constantly monitor all of your systems and controls in place to make sure that you're being compliant with the tapestry of rules and regulations that are out there. In the United States, we've, of course, got the federal rules and regulations. Then we have 50 states that all have their own rules and regulations. So it's just constantly evolving and changing, and nothing is really set in stone. So you really have to be adaptable and have a robust plan to meet ever-changing threats and needs. What do you think the future looks like, maybe thinking out five, seven years from now? How do things look different? I think we're moving in the area of, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, more regulation and not less. I know that there's a lot of governmental agencies that are looking at open banking payments, pay by bank, and coming up with ways to govern the industry and looking at the different ways that this industry can be exploited and thinking about the controls that they need to have in place. I think also the bad actors out there are going to become more sophisticated. And as technology continues to evolve, they're going to come up with ways to overcome that technology or exploit that technology. So security and compliance are going to become increasingly important. And at the same time, as I mentioned previously, you know, regulation and oversight will follow suit. As the bad actors get more sophisticated, the rules and regulations follow. So I think it's imperative for companies to create and foster a culture of compliance within their organizations. Make sure everybody knows and understands. Maybe you work in marketing or somewhere where you just think, ah, Money laundering, fraud, all of those things, security compliance is completely unrelated to me. You never know. And you might know something that you notice, hey, we're onboarding such and such a merchant. But I was at a trade show last week and heard somebody say that they're not a very good actor in the space. So it's about making sure that your organization as a whole has a culture of compliance so that in five to seven years when we've got more sophisticated bad actors, more rules and regulations, that everybody is aware that it's on everybody's shoulders to look at it. I think the payments industry in general is going to continue to accelerate and grow with third parties coming in, shaking up the competition. All of us are going to be faced with these malicious actors and legal roadblocks. I wouldn't say roadblocks, maybe just more controls. 
and more challenges to make sure that you implement controls that are required. So yeah, I think it's just going to become more regulated and more oversight. Let's circle back to Trustly, and you've talked about a lot of these things that have to happen. And can you tell us, how do you manage all of your compliance programs with all of the technology and the people and the tools? So how do you manage all of that? I'm the lucky person that compliance falls within my remit. So (laughs) I get to manage all of that. We're constantly building and evolving our compliance team and also the tools that we use and the controls that we put in place. We have a strong central team of compliance gurus, IT security professionals, GRC, that's governance, risk and compliance experts, and legal counsel, regulatory experts, et cetera, that are constantly monitoring, updating and improving our various compliance programs. We also have training programs for our employees. Our employees just finished our anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing training in the month of August, which I know they were all very excited to participate in and complete. We make sure that we have the best enterprise risk management that we can, that we're constantly looking at what are the risks coming into our enterprise? What are the risks in AML? What are the risks in CTF? What are the risks of fraud, et cetera? What new risks have come up? What have we heard from others? And just making sure that nothing is really set in stone and that we remain adaptive and nimble and that we talk to each other and we talk to other people in the industry. When I say we talk to each other, that we talk with our risk team. What are you guys seeing? Are the risks that we're managing and watching for, are they adequately capturing the risks that you're monitoring and protecting us against with your rules and regulations? What are the new regulations that are coming down? What do we need to do to change our systems to comply with those regulations? We regularly consult with external resources, such as outside legal counsel. We talk to regulators. We talk to cybersecurity experts. And we have um, auditors come in and audit our systems and let us know if they see any deficiencies or any weaknesses so that we can close those gaps and make sure that we don't have any weaknesses in our systems. It's a constant just being nimble and adaptive and aware. Catherine, we've covered a lot of ground so far. Is there anything else you wanted to go over before we wrap up the show? Yeah, I would just say for everybody in this industry, it's really on all of us to make sure that we protect the integrity of this financial industry and maintain the trust of the consumers in the industry, that we let the consumers be completely unaware of all these threats and pay their mortgage on the fly from their phone and not think twice about it and have that whole transaction go through completely seamlessly and be in two or three seconds unaware of all of the various checks and controls and risk rules and monitoring that that transaction goes through before completion. And Greg, I just want to say I'm really grateful for this opportunity to share my insights and give deeper insight into how much effort Trustly puts into creating a secure and compliant environment for its employees and for the financial networks. 
I think as someone who's been in this industry for a long time too, you kind of grow to take this stuff for granted. And it is such a huge part. And I think you said it so well that we all play a role in keeping it safe. And that safety and security is important for all of us. Any one company that does something bad or wrong or whatever, it hurts the entire industry from a lot of different perspectives. So you've had some great insights today. I really appreciate it. I know you're very busy, so I wanted to thank you, obviously, for being on the show, and I I appreciate the time and the insights. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Greg. I appreciate being here. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well, and until the next story. Thank you for listening to this episode in our special series, Be Solid, brought to you by NMI, the fully integrated payment solution built to scale. For more information on what happens in payments before the transaction and this episode, please visit nmi.com forward slash resources forward slash podcasts. And remember, in a world full of squares and stripes, be solid. <laughs>